Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and thanks for joining us today on Back to the Bible Canada. Today, Dr. Neufeld begins a special one-week series all about Thanksgiving called He Knows My Name, with today's message entitled Celebrating Thanksgiving Well. So let's start by looking at our unique Canadian history of Thanksgiving and turn to our passage for today, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 to 10. It's Thanksgiving in Canada, and this week I want us to reflect on the greatness of our God and our moral obligation to give thanks. As we go through this week, I want to reflect on two psalms that will help us to celebrate well, but today, on the actual date of Thanksgiving. I thought I might want to reflect on the origins of Canadian Thanksgiving and then as well reflect on Paul's words about our obligation to refrain from idleness. I'll explain as we go along. The origins of Canadian Thanksgiving are less clear than they are south of the border among our American friends. Some point to an event that occurred in 1578 when the English explorer and navigator Martin Frobisher held a ceremony in what is now called Newfoundland. Frobisher had been trying to discover a northwest passage. He had sailed north to Baffin Island and had wrongfully assumed that a very large inlet was in fact a waterway leading through to the Pacific Ocean. The bay he mistook for a waterway is now called by his name Frobisher Bay. But in the process of his search, he had lost one of his ships. It had gotten caught in the ice. The expedition had been plagued by storms and hardships, and upon arriving back at Newfoundland, a member of his ship, a preacher and pastor named Maester Wolfel, delivered a sermon exhorting all in his voyage to be thankful to God for their miraculous deliverance from dangerous places. Then he led them to a celebration of communion, in his words, of the fact that Christ's name and passion could be celebrated in these strange and wild places. By all accounts, the celebration of thanks was in keeping with a European tradition to give thanks to God at harvest time for his bounty. Apparently, reference was made connecting the bounty of God to the deliverance of God in these dangerous and wild places. Let's move forward to the year 1606. The French explorer Samuel de Champlain had built a fortified settlement on the south shore of the Bay of Fundy. In the previous year, more than 30 of his men had died of scurvy. It was becoming plain that nutrition throughout the winter, along with depression in the winter, might have contributed to the scurvy. So the next winter, de Champlain arranged an order of good cheer in which the colonists took turns hunting and then would try to outdo one another in raising morale by providing a party with the food that they had acquired to give reason for thankfulness and were also encouraged to gladly share their food out of gratefulness to God with their Indian neighbors. Over 40 years later, in 1621, the pilgrim colonists who formed the permanent settlement in Plymouth, Massachusetts, celebrated what has now become American Thanksgiving. And in the 1750s, those who remained faithful to England moved north to Nova Scotia. The practice of a harvest celebration of thankfulness to God was continued in this country. Over the years, the confluence of these factors formed our own Canadian celebration of Thanksgiving. Originally, the Canadian Parliament declared November 6th to be Thanksgiving, but eventually a separation was made allowing Armistice Day or Remembrance Day to be celebrated on November 11th and Thanksgiving Day would be celebrated on the second Monday of October. Let me read to you the declaration from the Canadian Parliament. It proclaimed on the second Monday of every October that Canadians were to celebrate a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed. 
You know, back in those days, the Parliament of Canada thought it right and necessary to instruct Canadians to stop, to reflect on the harvest that had been brought in or was in the process of being brought in, and found it to be the obligation of all in this land to give thanks to the God of the Bible, for he is the one who brought in the harvest. Thanksgiving can be a wonderful experience. It can be wonderful if it affords us a moment of introspection. It's a time to take stock of everything that we have received from God and the amazing bounty of our land. We need to remember that our food does not actually come from the stores, but from the good earth that God has graciously blessed us with. From British Columbia's Fraser Valley to the open grain fields of the prairies to the grapes in the Niagara region of Ontario to the incredible bounty of maple syrup in Quebec to the rich black farmland of New Brunswick and to the potato fields in the red earth of Prince Edward Island, we live in a land of bounty. It is our moral obligation to spend time on our knees on this good day and to give thanks to God Almighty for the bounty with which we have been blessed. Added to that, Some of us will want to make a list which might include our health and our finances and our clothing, our houses, our jobs, our spouses, our family, and our friends. We are overrun with good things. The horn of plenty at the front of countless churches on this weekend is an excellent symbol of the fact that we have been blessed. I've been taking some stock of things that I might be thankful for. I have three children who love Christ, and I've been blessed with five grandchildren. I have a great marriage. I'm thankful for my work as a Bible teacher at Back to the Bible Canada. More than anything, I am thankful that God loved me enough to send His Son to die for me, and I have come to inherit eternal life. I'm thankful for the day I surrendered to Christ and how that has made all the difference. I have come to see that I am exceedingly rich. May the Lord forgive me for all the times I have complained. Psalm 16, 5-6 probably sums up my life so far. It says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. You know, interestingly enough, God demands our participation in his benefits. We don't just receive things from him. The world could have been such a place that requires no effort at all. God could have made us in such a way that we didn't have to work for anything. But he has chosen to make this a world in which we must work. Have you ever wondered why? I'm reading from 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 6 to 10. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. Because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we did not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Now, at first glance, you might ask, is this really an appropriate text to consider at Thanksgiving? The command to get to work seems like the letting of air out of our thankful balloons. But all of us understand that the benefits we have in our lives demand that we participate in receiving them. Wool, which is provided by God on the back of sheep, doesn't just fly off the sheep and onto our shoulders in the form of clothing. And metal doesn't just ooze out of the ground and and form itself into an automobile and drive itself onto our driveways. 
We don't lie in our hammocks in the backyard and watch as God changes the rain into grapes on the way down, landing into our open mouths. You must work. And if you don't, someone else has to work to provide it for you. And you're freeloading. So why does God want us to work? Well, work provides us with an opportunity to first be a blessing to the lives of others. Look again at verse 6. It tells us to keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness. You know, the word idle here doesn't mean that these people were doing nothing. The Greek word that is translated into idle is the word that means refraining from productive labor. So these people were busy, but they were not busy with the right things. And in consequence, they were becoming a disruptive influence in the lives of others. It might be that these very people had too much time on their hands, and they were also the same people who were paying attention to false reports that the day of the Lord had already come, which is a part of this letter, and if you study the whole thing, you'll, you'll see it there. So to the extent that these people stopped being a blessing to others, and they started paying attention to myths, they started becoming a curse to the entire church. And here's what Paul instructs the Thessalonian believers. Take responsibility for the lives of others, and you can do that in the way that you work. This is what Paul refers to in verse 6. Live according to the teaching you have received from us. So what was that teaching? Now, clearly, Paul had taught on the theme of work in the past. He wanted God's people to be productive. In fact, the theme of work comes up over and over again in the writings of Paul. For instance, if you go all the way back to Ephesians 4, verse 28, it says, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. You see, and when we come back, we're going to see how these themes work. Thanksgiving, they naturally go hand in hand. When we come and take a day off at Thanksgiving, as all Canadians do, or most of us are doing throughout this land, we know that tomorrow is a work day. And we thank God for this day when we can pause and bow our heads and give thanks. But we also thank Him that tomorrow, God has given us labor that is productive and that provides for us. The theme of giving thanks is prevalent in the Bible. And yet often, we so easily forget how indebted we are to God for everything. Thanksgiving is therefore one of the reminders we need to continue to lead lives of gratitude. It's also a tradition that came out of our nation's Christian roots. So as we look at this passage from 1 Thessalonians, we'll see how to live out an attitude of thanksgiving in very practical ways. You've probably heard about our New Testament Greece by Land and by Sea Tour this coming April 24th to May 5th. Well, now we have less than 20 guest spots remaining, so register today. Eight days by land and four by sea for this incredible New Testament adventure with Dr. John Newfeld, Phil Calloway of Laugh Again, and inspirational music by The Weebs. Call us today at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. Now let's go back to the Bible with Dr. John Newfeld. God provides a productive earth. God provides us with strength, intelligence, and even a healthy economy. These are all aspects of His grace. But God wants us to cooperate with His grace. The point of work is not only to be productive, but also to contribute something to needy people. In fact, the early church had developed a pattern where they took care of widows. They had instructions about helping the poor. 
There were wider issues such as sending out of Christian missionaries and teachers. And if you worked, you could help. You could partner in the advance of the gospel. When Paul wrote the first letter to the Thessalonians, he gave similar instructions. I'm reading 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 to 12. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. So work allows at least two things. It allows us to share with those in need rather than relying on others, and it wins the respect of outsiders. By working, you're not only taking responsibility for your own life, but also for the lives of others. People can be one to Christ if you work hard. You'll win their respect. You know, I've been told in China that one of the ways in which the gospel went forward in those early days was in the productivity of the Christian workers. They simply had a work ethic that refused to waste time, preferring rather to work for their employer as if they were working for Christ. Paul says that you will have something to give to God's work if you work. Now, how would you feel if you came to church and did not contribute to its ministry? How would you pray for this country if you did nothing to see the gospel going forward? How would you feel about yourself if all you were was a consumer of religion rather than a partner in the gospel? Now, this, of course, is a very different view of work than is often held in our society. For many, work is only for themselves. They tell themselves, I worked for everything I got, and I'm not going to share with anyone. They work hard so that they can get enough to live on and then retire. You know, people speak about Freedom 55, which means that they will finally be free to drop out of their commitments. And that's also why people buy lottery tickets, hoping that they won't have to be productive members of society anymore. And sadly enough, many Christians, once they have made it financially, can't be counted on to be productive in the Lord's work anymore. See, I want you to think of the bounty in this country. Does this come from a God who has dropped out? See, without his work, your work would count for nothing. Food, clothing, and shelter all come from a God who loves us and is actively involved in bringing a blessing to our lives. I remember a number of years ago hearing someone tell me that he didn't owe anybody anything. He had worked hard for everything he had. I asked him whether he worked for his health or his energy or his intellect in the air he breathed and the soil which produced the crops and, and the rain that falls from the sky or the trees which grew in the forest which provided him with the materials to make a house. See, it all came from God as a gift. We owe God an infinite debt of gratefulness for all that we have. He has been taking care of us by working for us. God is working for us because he loves us. God wants you to be the same. He wants you to give to others as he has given to you. So we need to be a blessing to the lives of others by taking responsibility for the lives of others. We can take responsibility for the lives of others if we have something to share, and that takes work. Now to verses 7 and 8. You'll remember that in those verses, Paul speaks about his own work record and the need for the Thessalonian believers to imitate his examples. He speaks of working night and day so as not to be a burden on the Thessalonian believers. If we were to take the time to study 1 Thessalonians, we would see that Paul had refused a wage as his pastoral duty when in Thessalonica. His reason for doing so was not that he didn't have the right to a wage. 
As a matter of fact, the scripture mandates the payment of pastors. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 9.14, which says, In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But Paul had realized that some people would misunderstand his motives. They would think that the reason he was preaching the gospel was to make money, so in order not to confuse the issue, he chose to carry on a full-time job as a tent maker, planting the church in his off hours. Now he says, this is a model for you. I was not a freeloader. I was not a beggar. I only took that which I had earned. I think each of us has the opportunity to model the same. We need to embrace the view and model the lifestyle that we have been given an opportunity to make our lives lives of service. We should not long for the day when we don't have to serve, but live our lives in such a way that we are servants until our master calls us home. And then comes verse 10. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. You know, the connection between working and eating is a connection that is being undermined in our culture. I think it's happening in at least two ways. The first way is in some of the social policies that we have developed in this country. Now, this is not a statement about politics, and I am thankful for the social safety net that we have. And I am thankful that if you lose your job in this country, that you will not be left destitute. And I'm thankful that if in some way you're unable to work, there are always avenues in which you will be cared for. I don't think it's good to criticize those who have lost their jobs and are desperately trying to find work. I think we ought to be gracious, and I'm thankful to live in a country that demonstrates that kind of graciousness. But all of us also know of the fact that we now have in this culture a permanent class of people who live on welfare. That is, they do, their parents did, their grandparents did, their children most likely will, and their grandchildren as well. See, this is psychologically and spiritually debilitating. It creates a permanent underclass of beggars. It creates an expectation that no one from that group will ever amount to anything. See, I remember a conversation I had with a young woman who works with people in this environment. She told me that one of her students told her that one day he was going to have a job. You know, the rest of the kids laughed at him. For them, getting a job was like becoming the Queen of England. Nice idea, but it was never going to happen. How tragic to create such an expectation. But there is another way in which the connection between working and eating has been undermined. We have seen the rise of an entertainment culture. We have seen new forms of financial speculation, and we have seen the proliferation of lotteries and gambling. Outrageous sums of money are routinely paid to athletes, movie stars, and musicians without any relationship to the actual worth of their work. People also stand in lottery lines in malls to get a crack at a big pile of money they did not work for. People with this mentality no longer see themselves as servants. See, this severs the idea that there is a connection between working and eating. So let's make that connection today. All of us have had others work for us. You got up in your house this morning, built with materials that came to you from the logging and mining industries. You turned on the lights, which came to you from the dams and the power company with its untold workers overseeing a network of cables and wires. You turned on the water in your house with its pipes that run to a system which must be overseen and maintained. 
You ate breakfast, which came from grain farms and dairy farms and poultry farms and cattle farms. Your breakfast was cooled all night long in a fridge, which was built in a factory by people. Your food got to the fridge from a grocery store with its many workers. It got to the grocery store because there's a huge trucking industry across this nation. You dressed yourself with clothing, which came to you from a textile industry and from countless workers such as seamstresses and designers and business people. You drove to work in a car, which came from engineers and computer programmers and countless factory workers. You used gasoline in your car, which came from individuals who work in the oil industry. You drove on roads which were designed and built by numerous workers. In fact, untold thousands were all working for you. So give thanks with a grateful heart. God is the author of all of this, and it has been given by grace. But out of gratefulness, roll up your sleeves and be a servant and thank God that you can serve others. Happy Thanksgiving. John, this is a message of Thanksgiving, and we're not trying to be insensitive here, I don't think. There are those who are in real need, authentic need. But I think we're talking more about a culture that we've created in our country. Yeah, we certainly recognize and we should recognize that there are those people who, because of certain circumstances, simply can't work. And it is the mark of a righteous society that we take care of those who are the weakest among us. But I am concerned that we would create a culture in which work would seem like a goal that we could never arrive at. And we should portray work as something that brings dignity to every single human being. It is a great blessing from God that he has allowed us to participate in our own ability to care for ourselves and also to give to those around us. And so I'm only trying to make the point that work should be seen as one of the reasons why I give thanks to God, and we should see it as something that God has given out of his graciousness to us. What a compelling message. We need to give thanks every day, every moment even, for all the many provisions of God that we take for granted. Not only that, but all the good things in life that we enjoy are the result of others who have worked so that we could get them. I think there's much to consider about the relationship between thanksgiving and how we're called to participate in that by working hard. And through our work, we can bless others, whether it's in society or communities or our churches. I hope that today's message has encouraged you to be continually thankful every day. Be sure to listen tomorrow as Dr. Neufeld continues this special series, He Knows My Name, with a study on Psalm 139. Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. On this Thanksgiving holiday, I just want to take a moment to give thanks, specifically to all our faithful partners and listeners across the country. Because of you, we're able to communicate the truth of God's Word to thousands of Canadians every day on the air. Because of your prayers and gifts, a tangible difference is being made in the lives of men and women who are being uplifted and challenged by hearing what the Bible has to say. Because of you, we join together unashamed to declare the good news of Jesus Christ to as many people as we can. With gratitude in our hearts, can we ask for you to continue to partner in sharing the gospel? And would you pray for and continue to support Back to the Bible Canada in the ongoing mission of bringing people closer to Jesus every day? If you're thankful for God's Word and how it shaped you, then I want to encourage you to partner with us in any way you can. 
knowing that your generosity plays such a critical role in making this ministry possible. Whether it's a one-time gift or becoming a monthly partner, your contribution allows us to be a blessing and encouragement through trustworthy Bible teaching. To find out how you can get involved, please visit backtothebible.ca or call us at 1-800-663-2425. That's 1-800-663-2425.